0: Okay, let's begin with Lesson 19 today. We're going to continue on into this second section of Proverbs, where we are seeing Solomon giving some individual Proverbs concerning different discussions. Right now, we're in Chapter 13, looking at verses 13 and 14, and here we're going to look at the issue of instruction, the issue of instruction. And so I want you to notice with me what he writes here. He who despises the word will be destroyed. But he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. The law of the wise is the fountain of life to turn away from the snares of death. So here he's talking about instruction. In particular, what kind of instruction do you think he's talking about here? First of all, before I give you the points. Biblical instruction, Bruce said. He's talking about the word or the commandment. So he's talking about the word of God here. So what we're talking about here is biblical instruction. So I want you to notice a couple of things. Despising instruction results in a person having to make a payment. Despising instruction results in a person having to make a payment. Now here, the payment, now I use the word payment because when you despise the Word of God and don't do what the Word of God tells you to do, you're going to have to make a payment because it's going to result in consequences. Let's just call it payments. And here specifically he says you'll be destroyed. You'll be destroyed. And probably what he has in mind when he talks about the breaking of a commandment there is that there were certain commandments that resulted in death if you broke them. And some Bibles will even take this proverb and reference back to the book of Numbers, where if you remember back in the book of Numbers, there was a story of a young man, a boy, who despised his parents and was disrespectful to his parents. And what happened to him? Does anybody remember this story? It's not one you learned in Sunday school as a child. What? What? Yeah, he got stoned. He was he was destroyed. Boy, it would be interesting today, wouldn't it, if we, we did that today? If your children showed disrespect, the, your community stoned them. And that's what was going on there, is that because, they, they basically, you say, boy, that was a pretty harsh punishment. Well, the reason why is, God had said to be obedient to honor your mother and father. And that was not taking place there. So God's word was being transgressed, and therefore that person was destroyed. But what I want you to see is, for a greater point for you and I is, is that when you despise biblical instruction, when you despise the Word of God, you're going to have to make a payment for your doing something else. There are going to be consequences. You're going to suffer them. There's no way to get around it. So, like if you're reading through the Word of God and you feel very strongly that God is telling you to do something in this area, or it's a specific command you're going to make a payment in that area. Bottom line. Here, I'll give you one that's very real. If a person marries an unbeliever, and a lot of times that happens, there is a consequence to that behavior. Because God specifically says in 2 Corinthians, be not unequally yoked to what? unbelievers, for what fellowship has light with darkness. It's very specific. God comes right out and says, don't enter into a bond with an unbeliever. And we're talking specifically there, we're talking about a marriage bond. And you say, well, that, is that the only time he ever said something like that? No. All you got to do is read through the Old Testament. How many times did Israel get judged because Israel would then intermingle with pagan tribes around them. Now, what are you saying, George? When a person despises that instruction, when a person says, I'm not going to listen to that instruction, I'm going to do my own thing because I'm in love. And that's usually why they do it, because they're in love. And their love trumps God's word. But does it really trump God's word? Because the reality then is, There has to be a payment. And there's a consequence. And I grieve for those who are married to unbelievers because they have to face the consequence of that. And it doesn't... It's not just a short-time consequence. It's a lifetime consequence unless that person comes a believer. And I'll be honest with you. There's nothing in the Scripture that gives you a guarantee that they're going to come to know Jesus Christ. Does everybody understand me? See, so when you see the Word of God and it says, "Despising instruction results in a person making a payment," that's very accurate. Then notice something. Following instruction, here's the other point. Following instruction results in the reward of blessing. How many of you want to be blessed? Raise your hand. Raise it high. Like I I don't want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. Raise your hand high. Like I want to be blessed. Can I tell you how you can be blessed? Be obedient. That's the point he's making here. You don't do what's right, then you make a payment. Some of you are saying here, Boy, I wish God would bless me. Did you ever think that the reason why he's not blessing you is because you're not being obedient in some area? Did you ever think that? Did you ever think that the blessing is not there let me just stop for a mid-qualified blessing so that you understand. I'm not talking the kind of blessing that the TV preacher talks about where your bank accounts going to grow out of nowhere. Does everybody understand it? Although he may choose to bless you that way. But the blessing of God in your life may not be there because you choose to be disobedient in an area. So for instance, what kind of areas are you talking about, George? Well, let's say you work for somebody, and you're not honoring God with your work because maybe you're only put in half. And when the boss leaves the job site, you just all of a sudden decide to take a break. Even though you're getting paid to work. See, God's not going to bless your life for not doing what's right. You understand what I'm saying? God's not going to bless your life for not doing what's right. Or, let's hear another one. You maybe get yourself so strapped you can't pay your bills. And you're owing people stuff. And it's not God's fault that you didn't have enough money. It was your fault because maybe you spent money on stuff you shouldn't have spent. And so now you're not paying your bills. We just talked about that a couple, I think last Sunday, where it said, oh, no man anything. See, God can't bless you if you're not going to be obedient to what his word says. But obedience brings blessing, doesn't it? Obedience brings blessing. See, see, here's what I'm saying. If you're not experiencing the blessing of God in your life, you maybe need to start examining areas of your life and begin to say, okay, well, what is it in my life, Lord, that's dishonoring to you? And let me just stop for a moment. It won't take you long to figure it out. Because it's the one that you're readily making excuses for. Well, you just don't understand George, because you may even be making it in your mind right now. I can't pay those bills because of this, this, and this. And you know, Christmas is coming up. i got got to have a whole bunch of gifts under the, you know. And you start making excuses. Listen. When you stand before Jesus, you won't be given excuses. You won't be given excuses. So, Heed instruction. Then notice now verse 14, the benefit of life. Look at what verse 14 says again. The, way, the law of the wise is a fountain of life, to turn away from the snares of death. So again, we're talking about God's word here. And here's what it says. The teaching of wisdom is life-giving, turning one from the snares of death. So if I'm following his word, here's what I'm saying. God's not a cosmic killjoy. God doesn't want you to have a miserable life. Does everybody understand that? But see, out of His great love, He has set some boundaries for us. He set some boundaries in which we can enjoy life. Because He understands, more so than you and I, that when we cross those boundaries, we're opening ourselves up for problems. So, for instance... When he said, thou shalt not commit adultery. He's understanding that the boundary of marriage is the proper pace for a loving relationship. And then when you cross that boundary and go into somewhere else, you're opening yourself up for all kinds of problems. Heartache. These days, sexually transmitted diseases. Do you understand my point? See, God is not trying to be a cosmic killjoy with you. God is not trying to be a cosmic killjoy. We've got to grasp that reality. But you know why we don't grasp that reality? Who can tell me why we don't grasp that reality? Why do you think it is that we have this tendency whether we subconsciously think it or not or consciously? Why do you think it is that we have this concept that God's word is a restraint for me having what I want to do, freedom? Why do you think we have that kind of thinking? Okay, we want to do what we want to do. Okay, rebellion on our part. Okay, Bruce. Anybody else want to go beyond what Bruce is saying? Pride on our part. We don't like telling have somebody tell, tell us what to do. We're in control. That kind of goes along with what Bruce is saying. Anybody else? Okay, the whole world's heading in the other direction, Mike. Okay, peer pressure. Okay, anybody want to expand upon what Mike said? Because you're, you're right on what I was thinking, Mike. Because we've got a whole culture that's saying to you, man, do what you want to do. That religious stuff, it just restrains you from what you want to do. So, for instance, right, for instance how many of you are familiar? There's a, a movie out coming out now called The Golden Compass. How many are familiar with that? Okay, The Golden Compass is an atheistic movie. The guy who wrote it, even though it's very benign compared to what the books are, The guy who wrote The Golden Compass and the other two books after it hates the Catholic Church. So again, there's always somebody with a problem with the Catholic Church because he feels that religion restrains people from freedom. And specifically with this guy, restrains people from sexual freedom. So even though this is a kid movie, there are some sexual overtones in the movie. So you parents need to be aware that this ain't a good movie for your kids to go see. But they may like it, but the next two books, which probably will end up being in two movies, are, are really dark movies in which God gets killed. See, God is a bad guy in these movies. God is a bad guy. But the whole point of how, where this all came from was out of one guy saying, the Bible restrains people from freedom. See, and that's the influence, the cultural influence out there. And you might be saying, Well, where do I get these thoughts that I don't want to obey God's word? You know what? You're becoming conformed to the image of this world. Satan plus our own rebellious hearts. Because you can't blame everything on Satan. Satan is a manipulator. Yes, we are. But sometimes he doesn't, see, sometimes we give Satan more credit than we need to. Yes, he's the God of this world and he knows how to manipulate things. But you're dealing with a humanity that's already in natural rebellion against God. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're already in a natural, depraved state of rebellion against God. And most people, how many of you like to be different from the rest of the community? Okay, a, a couple of you. I'm glad. I'm actually... Betty raised her hand. That's good. Okay? But but most of us don't. Most of us don't. We don't want to be singled out. And so because of that, we will bend. We'll turn an eye. We'll not say anything. And so because of that, you begin to have your values changed. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not preaching against TV. But you need to realize TV is one of the greatest manipulation machines in our culture today. So you've got to be wise what you watch. Now, let's go on. We're only with, with the... Eight verse. We've got to keep moving. Verse 15, discernment. Which is along what we're talking about here. Look at verse 15. Good understanding gains, gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. Here's the issue of discernment. Wisdom adds to one's social esteem, whereas the way of treachery is not lasting. Wisdom will add to your social esteem. Look, even unsafe people, if you're a wise person, will recognize, you know, you need to talk to that person over there. They seem to got their act together. Does everybody understand me when I say that? Even though they may not accept your Jesus, even though they may not accept what you believe, but if they notice that your life is heading in the right direction and you seem to have a good word of advice here and there, they will come to you and ask you for advice, even though they're not ready to listen to you about your Jesus. See, that's what Solomon is talking about. Wisdom adds to one's social esteem, whereas the way of treachery is not lasting. But if you're a treacherous person, you can forget it. Hey, how many of you have heard this? Burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, what? Shame on me. That's the point Solomon's making here. Is if you've got a continual thing where you're burning people, you're being treacherous, that's not going to last very long with people. Then you're going to say, oh, you know what? I don't want to have anything to do with you. I'm just going to keep you here at arm's distance. Now, let's go on. Look at verse 16, the issue of knowledge. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool lays open his folly. Actions either display wisdom or expose folly. You know, your actions reveal who you are. If you are a person of knowledge your actions are going to reveal that. But if you're a foolish person, what kind of actions are going to come out of your heart? Yeah, foolish ones. It's very, very very, evident there. Look at verse 17 now. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings health. Here's the issue of servants. The faithfulness of a messenger determines the success of his, of his mission. The faithfulness of a messenger Determines the success of his mission. So you can, the application of that is the faithfulness of a worker determines the success of the project is another way of saying it. So for instance, we have some guys here who are in charge of, of others or who have been in charge of others. Maybe you're a businessman, maybe you're a manager or you were a manager. You knew the guy's working under you, or the ladies working under you, and you knew who you could give a project to. Because of their character. Their character would reveal whether or not, what, that project would, would happen. You knew what to expect from them. And if they were faithful, what would you expect? You'd expect a good job. But if they're foolish... Yeah, you kick yourself, because you've got to go back and what fix what they messed up. Now, here's the issue. Discipline now. Let's talk about discipline. The Bible talks about discipline. Look at verse 18. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards a rebuke will be honored. Here's the issue. Ignoring correction brings poverty and shame. Ignoring correction brings poverty and shame. You you guys, we know this. Let's talk about workers. Let's talk about children. Let's talk about the humanity in general. You have somebody that refuses to listen to instruction, whether it's the instruction of their parents, and they don't respond to discipline. Or you you talk about a worker who doesn't respond to discipline. Or, you know what, in the army, I remember very distinctly several individuals who would not respond to authority. They ended up going to jail and then getting kicked out afterwards. Because in the army, they can't tolerate people who aren't going to listen to instruction. See, there's a principle here in life. Ignoring correction brings poverty and shame. So you look at a lot of people, they don't seem like they're getting ahead. You maybe need to start probing a little bit deeper and seeing if they're the kind of person who what? Listens. Because it may be that the reason why they were at where they're at is not because life was hard with them, although that is sometimes true. It's because they didn't want to listen to people. They didn't want to listen to instruction. Okay, the next point there, he says, responding correctly to discipline can bring honor. Yeah, nobody likes to be rebuked. Nobody likes to be Corrected. But ultimately, if the person who's rebuking you and correcting you is doing it for your good, if you respond, ultimately it'll end up being for your benefit later and it'll bring honor. Okay, look at verse 19 now, the prospect for life. A desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but it is an abomination to fools to depart from evil. Here's a couple things. Joy comes when when a hope or a dream is realized. How many of you have had that satisfaction where you've had a dream or you had a hope and you saw it materialized? How did you feel? Maybe it's been a long time. Some of you are like, maybe it's been a long time, but do you remember how you felt? How would you feel? On top of the world, huh? On top of the world. On top of the world. Okay, but notice something now. Fools, on the other hand, continue in their sin. Fools, for some reason, can't, they don't want to leave it. They've got to just stay in it. They continue in their sin. Verse 20 now talks about the issue of associations. Look at verse 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companions of fools will be destroyed. To become wise is to associate with wise people. To become wise is to associate with wise people. Here, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say it in a generic sense, but I want you to hear what I'm saying because it's very true. If you are wanting to grow in your walk with God and you're wanting to be a spiritual person, then you need to pick people in your life who are walking with God and who are spiritual people. You need to begin associating yourself with people who walk with God. Because it's only by associating yourself with those kind of people that you're going to grow and be spiritual in your life. You understand? Now, if you want to remain immature, hang out with immature people. You want to remain struggling? hang out with struggling people. See, the point is, is you need to choose who you're hanging out with. Who you're hanging out with. And you need to choose wisely who you're associating with. And there are many ways to associate. Which you say, well, I don't know too many real spiritual... There are spiritual people here. You just need to, you need to open your eyes to the reality of who they are. And you need to gravitate towards them. And I'll be honest with you. Don't worry. A spiritual person will take you under their wings. Because that's the mark of spirituality. And they will help you grow. If you went up to them and said, Look, I've been noticing your life, and I notice that you have a walk with God, and I'm struggling with my walk. Can you help me? I won't guarantee you, if they're spiritual, they'll say, Yes, I'll try and help you. But you've got to be wise about who you pick as a friend. Because if you don't want to go anywhere, you hang out with the wrong kind of people. I'm serious. I'm serious. See, if you want to to grow, then hang out with people. Hey, hang out with Chuck Swindoll. You say, how can I do that? He's down in Texas. Listen to his radio program. Listen to the programs. Listen to the programs. Read their books. You understand? Understand? Who you hang out with will what? Affect you. Affect you, so associations. Okay, but here's the thing. Conversely, to associate with fools brings what? Problems. To associate with fools brings problems. Yeah, for instance, let me ask you a question. Have you ever noticed that when you hang around people who who have filthy mouths, that eventually you'll have a filthy mouth? You ever notice that? And it's not like you walked into work one day and said, Oh, today I'm going to use wrong language. It just all of a sudden came out and you're shocked that it happened. You're shocked that it happened. But see, that's my point. Who you associate with will have a greater effect on your life. Hang out with spiritual people and you'll grow spiritually. That's the point that Solomon's making here. Let's go on now the issue of prosperity. Everybody wants to be prosperous. Look at what he says, verse 21. Evil pursues sinners, but but to the righteous good shall be repaid. Notice what it says here. Trouble comes to the sinner like an animal chasing him. Trouble comes to a sinner like an animal chasing him. Kind of reminds me, I think, Probably 20, 25 years ago, there was a a B-movie, real cheaply made movie called Cujo. How many remember Cujo, the wild dog? Only a guy would. Okay, Louise does too, okay. You know, and and it's like Cujo was relentless. That's the whole point. Trouble is like Cujo. It just dogs people. And you notice this. You ever notice me, It's always, I don't know why it is, but it just seems like problems are always happening. You ever heard anybody say that kind of stuff? It just seems like no matter what I do, I just got problems. It's because maybe you're not making the right choices. It's because maybe you're not making the right choices. And so trouble comes to a sinner like an animal chasing him. Okay, but then notice something. A righteous person enjoys good things in life. And let me just, let's, again, let's qualify the issue of good things. Good things with reference to how the Bible defines good things. Not with reference to how the culture defines good things. Because have you ever noticed the good things that the culture defines are not satisfying? You know, they're not satisfying. There is a difference. Mike's asking the question, define the difference between religious people and righteous people. Here's the difference. Religious people are those who just carry out religious acts. That does not necessarily mean they're righteous. So, for instance, when you go to the book of Malachi, he rebukes the nation of Israel because they're doing all kinds of religious acts. But they're not righteous because their hearts are not right. Isn't that what Jesus, when he rebuked the Pharisees about? Here they were doing all of these religious things. But they weren't righteous. Now, righteous means that you have been made righteous. You have faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And He has made you righteous by your faith and trust in Him. Not because of anything you've done, because you can't do anything. But because of the fact of your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You're a believer in Him, therefore you are righteous. Your heart is different. Now, here's the sad thing, and I think that's a good question that you've raised, Mike. Is when we talk about being righteous, we're talking about a, living a life that comes out of the essence of who you are. If you are a righteous person, then you're going to live righteously. But if you are a religious person, it's not coming out of who you are, it's something that you're doing. So for instance, you could be here today, coming to Sunday School Faithfully, listen to me, teach, give, whatever, and be, not be a righteous person. Does everybody understand me? You're just simply a religious person. And one day when you stand before God, in fact, there's a scary verse in the Bible. It's probably to me the most scariest verse in the Bible. It's in Matthew, the Gospels, when Jesus says, in that day they'll come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? And listen to the stuff they were doing, casting out demons, doing all this other stuff. And Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. And and some people will say, well, I'm just talking about unbelievers. Yeah, it's talking about unbelievers, but it's a special type of unbeliever. These people thought they knew Jesus. Because they used the title Lord. See, all the religious stuff is not what saves you. It's who you are. And who you are is because you've trusted in Jesus and he's made you somebody new. Does that answer your question? Yes, Yes, you're right, exactly. Did you hear what he's saying? He's saying his point was, is that when we talked about associations, you need to associate with somebody spiritual versus somebody who's not spiritual. Mike's saying we need to be careful that we're not associating ourselves with a religious person but rather that we're associating ourselves with a righteous person. Because you can associate yourself with a religious person, and they do all the right things on a Sunday. But as soon as they walk out the door, they're just like everybody else. And you can get the wrong message from a person like that because you're thinking, oh, well, I just need to act this way in church. And while I work with them at work, and they're doing what everybody else is doing, I can do like they're doing. Is that the point you're making, Mike? Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. So, righteous people enjoy good things in life. Let's go on. Restitution. Let's talk about the issue of... Oh, here's one point. When we talk about that, these statements I just made are generally true, although exceptions can be cited. When we talk about the issue of trouble coming to center like an animal chasing them, or righteous people enjoying good things in life, these are generally true. These are general statements. Let's remember the whole issue of Proverbs here. This is not a promise that you can claim before God. Well, God, you said good things would come to me if I lived right. That's not necessarily... you understand this is a general statement? Although there are some exceptions to be cited. Look at verse 22, restitution. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of a sinner is stored up for the righteous. Here's the point. Divine justice determines the final disposition of one's inheritance. Here's what Solomon's saying. A good man lays up an inheritance not just for his children, but he's thinking about his grandchildren too. That's a good man. But a right but a sinner, a wicked person, who's he laying up wealth for? Yeah, himself. Then let whoever else fight over it later. But then Solomon makes the point later that ultimately the righteous will get it. Why? Why will the righteous get it? Because you're saying, boy, I know some pretty evil dudes all through history and I haven't gotten anything from them. What's he talking about that ultimately you'll get it? The rewards, yeah, because the the wealth of the nations will be given over to who? Well, to Jesus, ultimately in the end. And who will be with Jesus and rule with him and share in that inheritance? You and I, as believers. See, that's the point he's making there. Okay, let's go on. The suffering of the poor, verse 23. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor and the lack of justice, and for the lack of justice there is waste. Here's what he's saying. Injustice can take away what hard labor produces. Injustice can take away what hard labor produces. Here he's stating a reality of life. How many of you have experienced that? You have worked so hard and then something happens and it's gone. You have worked so hard and then something wrong happens and was out of your control you wish something you wish that life would be different, and it was gone. In fact, it didn't just take what you saved up, it took more than that. It set you back. How I many of you had some kind of experience like that? All of us have, haven't we? If you haven't had that experience, can I share a secret with you? You will. Now, here's the point. Solomon is stating the reality of humanity. What we do, though, is we get upset with God, and we'll say, "Well God, why are you doing this to me? God's not doing it to you. You live in this world. That's this world. This world will produce injustice and take away what you have labored hard for. You just you know, I need to wake up to the reality of that. So we oftentimes will blame God for stuff, and it has nothing to do with God. It has to do with the world in which we live in, the world in which we live in. You understand the world in which we live in. Hey, you know, here's the point. Someone said, boy, I thought things would be better for a Christian, but it seems like things get harder. Yeah? They get a lot harder. I almost think there's a reason why. God doesn't want us to get too comfortable with living here. He doesn't want us to get too comfortable with living here. Because for us as Christians, our focus doesn't need to be here. Our focus needs to be looking to the future of what will come. Do you understand what I'm saying? So life, he doesn't change life from the hardships of life. And we've got to remember the scripture. It rains on the righteous as well as the wicked. And the sun shines on the righteous as well as the wicked. What you're facing in life, the hardship, everybody else is facing. And look, I'm going to be honest with you. So your washer and dryer dies. There's a thousand dollars right there up to $1,000 depending on what you buy, and you weren't expecting that. Somebody smashes into your car on the way out of here because they don't know how to drive in weather like this, and your insurance company only covers a fraction of what you think it's worth, and they total it, and there's nothing you can do about it. You've got to take what you're... And then you're trying to find something with what little bit they give you to replace what you had, and you can't find anything. Life will throw stuff at you. And it wasn't God. But I'll be honest with you, when we blame God, it's a condition of our heart. It's a condition of our heart. Let's just go through real quickly through some of these and then we'll finish up here. The issue of discipline, verse 24. Parental love is displayed in disciplining the children responsibly. You know, I hear some parents, they'll say, you know, I I don't think, But they have a hard time controlling their kids. That's not love. Love is molding the character of your child. Love is molding the character of your child. Let's go on. The issue now of contentment. God supplies the physical needs of the righteous. Again, this is a general statement. God will supply your needs, not your wants. So You need to be content. Look at verse 1 of chapter 14. Here's the one for you ladies. A woman's wisdom enables a household to thrive whereas her folly destroys it. In fact, let's listen: what a wise woman builds her house but, a, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. See, your house thriving has more to do with you and your character. So a wise woman will build up her house but a foolish woman will tear it down. Okay, let's go on. The fear of the Lord. Look at verse 2. He who walks In uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is perverse in his ways despises him. Here's the thing. A person's attitude towards the Lord shows up in his behavior. Your attitude towards God shows up in your behavior. Your attitude towards God shows up in your behavior. Now look at verse 3, the issue of speech. In the mouth of a fool is the rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. What people say has a great bearing on how they are received. What people say has a great bearing on how they are received or how they are accepted by others. How they're accepted by others. Then, for our businessmen here, look at, look at verse 4, prosperity and business. Where no oxen are, the trough is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of an ox. Here's what he's saying. Meaningful results of any kind require investing time, money, and work. Here's what he's saying. Where no ox is, the trough is clean. The whole point he's making there is is that where, you know, if you don't have anything going on, you're going to have just a clean, nice, tidy place, but you're not having anything. But notice what he says. But increase comes by the strength of an ox. Again, an agrarian culture. Your prosperity will come by what? Hard work. Hard work. And then finally, verse 5. A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. Here's the thing, against speech. A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness pours out lies. A false witness will just give you one lie after another. Let's close our time in prayer.